like that. You Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Ooh, fun one. Fun, 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 fun one. We were getting, we well, we were, we are, and still, well, yeah, you, you understand. You understand where I'm getting at right now. We are getting to the thick of it. With the 2022 World Cup, we've got some transfer portal stuff to talk about. We've got bowl games. We've got trophy finalists. We've got a whole bunch of random crap that we need to discuss today on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. But before we get into anything today, make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook, YouTube, jeez, I apologize. <laughs> Facebook, YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure they'll they'll both pop up. Make sure to subscribe and like the Facebook page and the YouTube channel. Go and watch a few YouTube videos. Go watch, click on a few blog posts on the YouTube page. Or the jeez, we're all over the place right now. I'm sorry about this. And then, but mainly, most of all, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's what you're listening to right now. And if you haven't already clicked off yet after this terrible ass start that we have been going through right now. Just make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're subscribed or following on both. If you're listening right now and you're not sure, just make sure to go double check and leave a rating on a five stars. It can be a one star rating. It can be a five star rating. I don't care. Just as long as you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. And uh, yeah, let's get into today's show. We have some World Cup action to get underway. Yes, the World Cup still goes on after the United States is eliminated, which is surprising because we are America and we run everything, even the World Cup. But speaking of the United States, I guess we could talk about the United States since we are you know, the the epicenter for soccer around the world. It is called soccer, even though we have a league that has, I think, about 17 teams that have FC, which stands for Football Club. Major League Soccer, soccer.com, you can find a bunch of teams that have FC, which stands, again, for Football Club. But we are so dedicated to calling it soccer. I hate that. It's one of the most cringy things out there is the whole, it's called football, no, it's called soccer, because both countries... The main two argument here is is, uh, United States and England. The United States is a bunch of teams in their league that have FC in the title, with new teams coming into the fray that are titled FC. And then over in England, they have shows called Soccer Saturday. Like, they have soccer over there. They They call it soccer over there for certain things. But both are like, no, it's football, no, it's soccer. I don't really give a rat's ass which one it is. All I know is we're the United States, we rule everything, so... It's called soccer. Unless you go to the MLS, then it's football, okay? There are certain teams in the MLS that are football, okay? But that's not all the teams in the MLS. But with the United States getting eliminated from the World Cup, sad news, sad news, this has sparked some debate about what should happen to Greg Berhalter, the current United States men's national team manager. And after the World Cup, his contract is up. So Greg Berhalter is technically a free agent. He's making like $1.3 million over the course of however many years he's been here. I think since 2018 is when he first took over for the United States job. And he's done a lot of really good things for the United States. I know a lot of people want to criticize Greg Perlter every single thing he does. But the dude has made some really good, has done some really good things for the United States. You look at some of the players he's recruited over the years. You look at some of the trophies he's won. Look at how many times he's beaten Mexico. Like, And he got the United States back to the World Cup, which was priority number one. And he did that. Did we finish the top of CONCACAF? No, we didn't. But it didn't matter because... We were the last team, we were the only remaining team left in the knockout stage. We were the only CONCACAF team to qualify for the knockout stage in the 2022 World Cup. So that deserves some praise. The players he recruited, again, deserve some praise. The ways he beat in Mexico, deserve praise. The trophies he's won, deserve some praise. But there are some selections that 
are somewhat head-scratching. Some of the player selections, some of the player exclusions, some of the substitutions in games, the lack of adjustment as the game goes on, as called out by the Netherlands manager, Louis van Gaal, after the United States was beaten 3-1 by the Netherlands a couple days ago. Like, there's good and bad. Like, the United States played really well this tournament. This is one of the best United States teams ever in regards to not just the players they have, but the way they played this tournament. They played really well. They outplayed England. They were dominant against Wales and Iran. Unfortunate to come away with draws against England and Wales. And unfortunate to come away with only one goal win against Iran. And then unfortunate to lose 3-1 because the game really wasn't a 3-1 game. The United States just got beat out on the counterattack. It was just lazy defending. Where Anthony Robinson on the last goal just got completely sucked in was standing right next to Tim Ream, basically smelling him. Like, there's in-game adjustments that need to be improved on. And the fact you don't play one of your top five players, arguably, in Giovanni Reyna, really until the last game, is upsetting to a lot of people. Some of the selections with the persistence of MLS players, which I'm not, like, 100% against. Because I do think the MLS has grown up substantially since the last time the United States won a World Cup. The quality of the player in the, United, in the United States of the MLS is so much greater than what it was back in 2014. But you can tell, like, when certain players come on, the drop-off. Like, the drop-off from Dest to Shaq Moore and DeAndre Edlin is exponential. The drop-off from Christian Pulisic to Jordan Morris is exponential. You can just look at the striker position. Jesus Ferreira has been basically Greg Berhalter's number one guy all throughout qualifying. He played one game in the tournament, got subbed out at halftime. The drop-off between him and Josh Sargent is exponential. Like, there was a massive drop-off between the, the European players... And the MLS players. I think you panned, like, all United States fans out there, I think the five worst players on the team are from the MLS. I think the five worst players on this team, now, I'm not 100% sure how many United States, how many MLS players there are on this United States, current United States roster. So they had, what? You have Zimmerman, Long, Moore, Yedlin, Roldan, Acosta, Ferreira, and Jordan Morris, and Sean John. So there's nine MLS players on this roster. You look at the rest of this roster, you'd put Shaq Moore on the bottom five. You'd put Aaron Long on the bottom five. You'd put Christian Roldan on the bottom five. You'd put Jordan Morris on the bottom five. And you'd probably put, I don't know, would you put DeAndre Yedlin in the bottom five? Him or, not for, uh, Freire was at least good in the MLS this year. Yedlin's been up and down. He was out without a club for a little bit. He got released from Galatasaray, came over to Inter Milan after not really doing anything. So your bottom five players on this team are in the MLS. You know what the problem is? Apart from Roldan, and we just even include the players that played. We don't even need to include the likes of Roldan or Aaron Long, players who didn't play, or Sean Johnson. Even then, you're looking at Aaron or uh, Shaq Moore, Yedlin, Acosta, Morris, and Ferreira. I don't think Acosta is a top five worst player on this team. I don't. I don't think that at all. But the majority of your worst players on this team are in the MLS. Like, Walker Zimmerman's probably the only one that is not widely considered to be one. You'd put him in the top, what, 13 players on the United States men's national team on this current team? Not in the grand scheme of things, but in this current team? Would you put him top 15 player on this team? Kellen Acosta is on the outside looking in of that top 15, I would say. But, like, Morris, definitely at the bottom of there. Moore, bottom. Yedlin, bottom. Like, it's, it's just... Difficult. Like you look at all the good players they have, and then giving Jordan Morris minutes before Giovanni Reyna in the tournament was kind of weird. Joe Scaly not getting minutes, but Shaq Moore playing in back-to-back games. 
And the first game he appeared in was against England? Pereira didn't play the entire tur- entire tournament? And played 45 minutes? Started. Started. Against the Netherlands and got subbed off at halftime. So if you're talking about just individual players, this, this like we're just judging this tournament, the MLS players are by far the worst players on this team. Just of what we saw from the MLS players. Apart from Kellen Acosta again. Because Kellen Acosta made the really smart challenge of Gareth Bale against Wales in that first game where Matt Turner ran completely out of his box and decided to pull Emmanuel Neuer and try to head it, and then it fell right to Gareth Bale, who could have scored. But Kellen Acosta took a really smart yellow there. But that's something the, the players have a problem, a lot of fans have a problem with. And you look at some of these other teams that are using some, uh, I don't know what you want to call this, your, your home country development, I guess you could say, where you're, gra- you're bringing in players that play domestically in, the, in your country. It's like Portugal, you see a lot of players like Portugal today. They won 6-1 against Switzerland. 6-1. Absolutely <laughs> dominated in this game. And Gonzalo Ramos plays over in Benfica. But the difference between Ramos and some of the, like Ferreira, who are both strikers in their domestic leagues, the countries they got called up for, Benfica would shite on FC Dallas. I think everybody's well aware of that at this point. If you're making the art, and then you look at the Netherlands team with some of the players from Ajax or PSV and players like that, those teams are better than teams the MLS. What other countries are really big examples of that? I mean, obviously, like, Spain. <laughs> they're, they're definitely they're definitely up there. England's another one. France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those, like, Netherlands team players that are in Ajax or play in the Eredivisie or Portugal who play for, uh, was it, Liga Noche with Benfica, Porto, uh, Sporting Lisbon. Like, they would crap on these MLS players. On these MLS teams, not just the players, these teams. Like, Ramos would be a star in the MLS, and he's a very good player. Not taking anything away from him. His first minutes in the World Cup, scored a hat-trick, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that's what Greg Berhalter was expecting when he played Jesus Ferreira against the Netherlands. This is his first turn, first game of the tournament, scored three goals. He has four, four appearances for Portugal. He has four goals now with a hat-trick today. Also got an assist. Didn't even start Ronaldo in this game, which is a thing that we've talked about before the tournament, about Portugal play a lot through Ronaldo, to the detriment of the team. We've talked about that numerous times. You see Sweden do it a lot with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You've seen Poland do it a lot with Robert Lewandowski. And before you go, oh, look at Argentina with Messi, they play different positions. Messi plays as a number 10 or a deep or false nine. He's allowed to drop back in. He's not just a goal scorer like Ronaldo or Ibra or Lewandowski are. So when you pull them away, that takes away your entire game plan because you're trying to get them to poach goals. Those guys are poachers, especially 37-year-old Ronaldo. So they made the move to not start Ronaldo this game, and they won 6-1 because they played for a team. And you got a y- lot younger striker playing. He's 21 years old. Ronaldo's 37. At least I believe Ramos is, th- is 21. I could be wrong about that. I think that's what I heard on the, the broadcast today. But Portugal looked good. Portugal looked really good. And this is not a, a bum team in Switzerland. This is not some run-of-the-mill, like, just squeaked through qualifying. No, 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 no. Switzerland are our top, top team with a lot of very, very good players. Like they got talent. Jan Sommer is one of the best tournament goalies in the world. Manuel Akanji, Fabian Schar, Ricardo Rodriguez, Granit Xhaka. Like they've got players on this team. Zachariah on the bench came off the bench in this game. Severovich is good. Mbolo is fine. 
Shakiri's older, but still a solid player. And they've got a lot of really solid players in this team, and Portugal waxed them. Like it wasn't even close. It was two one. It was two, it was two nothing <laughs> at halftime. Before even the thirty fifth minute of the game was two nothing, and then it just kept piling it on, piling it on, piling it on. And Portugal, you could saw the depth in Portugal in this team, because Ronaldo didn't start, Neves didn't start, Rafael Leao didn't start. Like they could bring these guys off the bench. That is insane. That <laughs> you're allowed to bring, and like Jao Cancelo didn't even play. In this game, Diego Diogo Delo played it right back today and played well. Like Portugal just utterly dominated. This game, damn near 40-year-old Pepe got a goal in this game. Fernandez is still balling out this tournament. Jao Felix played really well, got two assists in the game as well. Like Portugal just waxed him. But when you're wanting to talk about in-country development and talk about these leagues or like players getting called from domestic leagues up to the national team, you got to realize there's levels to this. You got to realize the levels between the Eredivisie, Liga Noche, and the MLS. The MLS is getting there. I mean, the MLS is only, what, 20-something years old, 25 years old? Like, can you imagine some of these leagues when they started off in their 25th year of existence? They weren't anything. They weren't anything. Like, you got you to respect the MLS for at least trying. Like, you know, America, we have a lot of players in the Champions League right now. And you see some of these players that are in the Champions League right now getting missed out for players that are playing in the MLS, which... Haven't played in months. It's concerning. And I understand why people are a little bit upset about that. So when you weigh the good and the bad with Greg Berhalter and some of his player selection, how their their game style, his stubbornness in regards to if we started like this, we're going to finish like this, or once they score, we're completely defensive. defensive. That's why I was kind of happy that the Netherlands scored first against the United States last weekend because... That would mean the United States would have to be on the attack. They wouldn't sit back. Like what we saw against Iran. They played a 5-4-1 formation. 5-4-1. That is insane. (laughs) And they did that pretty much at the start of the second half, essentially. They didn't play that exact formation, but they played back the entire second half. You saw that against Wales as well. Dominated the first half against Wales. Dominated the first half against Iran. Dominated the entire game against England. Like when they're playing for a goal, they are amazing but once they score and sit back and park the bus it is insanely frustrating to watch insanely frustrating to watch i'm even sure as a neutral who's never watched the united states men's national team game in their life would even get frustrated by watching that let alone diehard fans of this so when the question arises around whether greg berhalter should be the next manager of the united states going to the next world cup and on home soil no less I think you got to get someone else in there. It's no disrespect to Greg Berhalter. Again, I respect what he's done in his time here. His recruitment, the trophies, the games he's won. I respect the hell out of that. He got the United States out of the worst transitional period throughout their entire existence the United States Soccer Federation. The worst ever transitional period. You missed your first World Cup in God knows how many years, losing to Trinidad and Tobago, the team that was ranked last, or what? not ranked, they just were last in the hexagonal for qualifying. Lost to them. No offense to Trinidad and Tobago, but that's true. The United States should never lose to a team like Trinidad and Tobago. I'm being as nice and polite as I possibly can in saying that. I respect the hell out of him for that, but they need to get someone a little more progressive in here. Especially with the way soccer or football is going nowadays, you need a little bit more progressiveness in there. And again, the manager does not need to be American. It's nice to have an American manager. 
but you can get some new ideas in there as well. Be a little bit more progressive. I'm not saying the likes of like Jesse Marsh is the answer to that, but you might need to get someone else in there because people are a little upset that they're talking about a new extension for Greg Berhalter. With, you, with the World Cup campaign over for the USA, Berhalter's contract is up and he is non-committal on his future. Even though the United States soccer source told Fox's, Fox Sports' Doug McIntyre that preliminary talks over a new deal have already taken place. Have already taken place. You look at what happened to Jurgen Klinsmann. Jurgen Klinsmann left the 2014 World Cup and was going to lead the United States to the 2018 World Cup. Like, I'm not surprised this is happening for the United States. Other countries, we're talking about like Luis Enrique, one of the best managers in the world. With Spain losing on penalties today, back-to-back World Cups where they've lost on penalties, missed all three penalties, all saved by Bono, not that Bono. Unai Simon saved a penalty in the shootout, but it didn't matter because none of his teammates scored a goal. Atraf Kakimi chipped the ball right down the middle of her last one. It was awesome. Love Panenka penalties. But Luis Enrique, again, one of the best managers in the world, is questioning whether or not he's going to return as Spain's manager. I know there's some other things off the field that Luis Enrique has dealt with that would maybe convince him to stay off the field a little bit. But that's one of the best managers in the world. Like, you see all these different managers. South Korea's managers stepped down. They just got eliminated this past round. They played really, really well. Oh, no, 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 no. Not really, really well. They got absolutely blitzed by Brazil. What the hell was I talking about? Brazil had their, like, Brazil yesterday, Monday, Brazil was just having their way. Richarlison played awesome. There were some beautiful passes by Brazil. Neymar scored a penalty in the game. Like, the build-up play by Brazil was awesome. And I, <laughs> I think it's funny with people complaining about Brazil dancing. I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious. Be as disrespectful as you want. It's fun. Soccer's about having fun. Football's about having fun. Maybe the players, maybe the South Korean players felt some type of way about it, but they didn't really do that in the way they played because they got blitz 4-1. And it, it, to be honest, it could have been worse. Luis Pacheta missed a couple chances in the game as well. So they, they could have had more chances than what they did. Vinny Jr. was balling down the left wing. But they had so many opportunities to make this game 5-6-7-1. Going back to the 2014 World Cup of Brazil, lost to Germany 7-1. Could have been worse. But South Korea's manager stepped down. Now I get there's different circumstances to all of this. South Korea got blitzed by Brazil. Luis Enrique lost on penalties. After saying that they took a thousand penalties to avoid the embarrassment of what they felt in 2014 or 2018, though Luis Enrique was not the manager at the time. Remember they had Julian Lopetegui, but then he was in talks with Real Madrid at the same time, so they fired him like a week or two before the World Cup. <laughs> and they lost to Russia on, on penalties. So I don't know. I don't think the United States got blitzed at all. Maybe I mean, technically, I guess they got blitzed because it came out of nowhere. They all happened so fast. The United States off the line did not really work well in that in those circumstances. But I don't know. It, it's a it's a really difficult subject because on one hand I can understand why they're sticking with him, but on the other hand it's like I don't really want them to. I think Burhalter has done a fine job and what he's been asked to do, but I, I I think they need to get someone else in there. Like, I'm watching, like, Ricardo Pepe sit at home, lo- losing a bet, watching the United States versus Netherlands with his teammates over in Groningen over in the Eredivisie. Watching Jesus Ferreira do absolutely nothing 
for 45 minutes, and it was apparently the guy that he got left home for, that that make me feel some type of way. Made me feel some type of way, especially since I've been balling out for Gronigan recently. If I got left out for a guy who just ran around with his head cut off for 45 minutes before getting subbed for a non-striker, then I'd be I'd feel some type of way. I'd feel some type of way about that. And I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. But players like Stefan, I don't think Zach Stefan could be a little too could be upset about Matt Turner being included because Matt Turner uh is the best United States goalie they have. And we've known this for a little bit now, but it was just a matter of fact or if Greg Berhalter was gonna realize it or not. But man, this World Cup's been fun. This is this is honestly on the field, this one been the one of the best World Cups of all time. On the field specifically, just on the field. We're not gonna go over again all the stuff that's been going on off the field. Because we've already talked about our disapproval, <laughs> not that it matters, but we've already talked about our disapproval of this World Cup and what it stands for and all that stuff. But it has been really fun to watch. It's been a really exciting tournament. And Morocco beating Spain today was awesome. It was a very, like, nothing happened. Throughout the 120 minutes the game was played, absolutely nothing happened. Like, there was one point in extra time, there were two shots on goal for each team. Like, nothing happened. Pablo Sarabia laced a shot across that hit the post that could have won Spain the game. Uh, and then to go on and miss the penalty in, extra t- in, the, in the penalty shootout. Terrible penalties, too. Terrible penalties. I Who was it? It was um, Carlos Soler and Sergio Busquets took some of the laziest penalties I've ever seen. They were awful. And it wasn't even like they were hard to read. They were walking up so slow, you could read them like a freaking book. Bono saved them with relative ease. <laughs> So Robbie's first penalty was kind of hit the post, hit the post. But even then, I think that Bono would have been there. Even if it had not hit the post, Bono dove to that side. I think he saves it regardless if it hit the post or not. Like yesterday, we had Japan versus Croatia. We had Croatia winning 1-1 after being down 1-0 early on. We had Livakovic saving three penalties in this tournament, which Daniel Subasic did that in 2018. Like, Croatia is no stranger to penalties. It's not Daniel Subasic anymore, but they're no stranger to penalties. They did it, like, twice in lead-up to the final in 2018. Now, it was kind of scary, not going to lie, when Luka Modric went off on the field and <laughs> left the game, when penalties looked fairly in- imminent, to have your best player and captain leave the field, but, uh, and, and, and penalty taker? Not to mention that, and penalty taker? But it didn't matter. I mean, it, did, it didn't matter at all. I, I'm pretty sure... Wait, Croatia made all but one, I think. And then uh, Japan had three of theirs saved. I don't even remember what the one missed. What what did that look like? I don't even remember what that would look like. But they were relatively easy. Like, Croatia really had no problems in the penalty shootout, as they normally do. And we've had two penalty shootouts in the span of a day... In two days. And I love watching penalty shootouts. I know, when your team's not involved. I love penalty shootouts when my team's not involved. Because there's no, they're, they're fun to watch. Like I remember watching Manchester United take on a penalty shootout against Villarreal in the Europa, Europa, geez, Europa League final a few years ago. It was terrible. I think they scored 11 penalties to United, Manchester United's 10. <laughs> Kevin Hayek could save a single penalty in that game. But uh, penalty shoots are fun. I, li- I like watching penalty shootouts. And we might get some in the knockout that further stages. Like, we've got some really good teams. Really good matchups in the knockout stage for the World Cup. We've got Croatia taking on Brazil and the Netherlands taking on Argentina. Those are going to be awesome games. I expect Brazil and Argentina to both win those games. And then on Saturday, we got Morocco versus Portugal and England-France. England-France is 
Oh, ridiculous ass game. A ridiculous game. I don't know what kind of formation England's going to line up with because when you see England in the past, and then look at the past tournaments, you look at Euro, uh, the 2018 World Cup and Euro 2020 with Gareth Southgate as manager, against these bigger teams, you're seeing England line up with a back five. But with how England have played this tournament, they scored six against Iran, scored three against Wales, and three against Senegal, haven't allowed, didn't allow a goal against the United States, though they didn't score one, and got played off the pitch by the United States. The back four has been working really, really well for them. I don't know if Raheem Sterling's going to be back for this game. There's reports of him coming back. Apparently his home got robbed into, got burgled, is what they say. At least I think that's what I, I think that's what I read. But I, I don't know if he's going to be back for that game or not against uh, against France, which is on, again, on Saturday. But do they play with a back five? Do we see England go back to a back five? Or do we see them play with the 4-2-3-1 four, four, the or the 4-3-3? Three, three? Because last game they played a 4-3-3. Three, three. They had brought Jordan Henderson back into the team. Mason Mount had been starting as number 10. For England so far this tournament, they benched him, brought Jordan Henderson in, played Declan Rice a little deeper with Bellingham and Henderson as eights with um, Saka and Foden on the wings with Harry Kane up top. Like, it was... They dominated Senegal. Jude Bellingham played really, really well. Jordan Henderson played well. Like, it was easy game for them. France had an easy game in their own right against Poland. Giroud scoring, Mbappe scoring. Like, easy games for those two. But the fact this is a uh, last eight game... Is crazy. And, and Morocco, I think it'd be cool to see Morocco beat Portugal to be the first African nation to ever make the semifinals of a World Cup. Remember the last time an African team made the quarterfinals was the Uruguay versus Ghana game, where Luis Suarez handballed the ball in the box or off the goal line, and Asamoah Jean, I believe it was, missed the penalty, skied it over the bar. I believe. I believe. I could be wrong. I believe that's what happened. But it'd be cool to see Morocco. Morocco's got a very solid team. Bono played has played well this tournament. Atraf Hakimi's really good. Uh, Ziyech really good. Arambat's very good. Like, they've got a lot of really solid players. But Portugal just playing so awesome right now. Like, to see a World Cup semifinal, Brazil, Argentina, France, and Portugal is mwah. That is beautiful. But I'm, all about, I'm an agent of chaos as well, so I would be fine with Morocco being in there. I'd be perfectly okay with Morocco being in there. But again, this World Cup has been awesome. On the field, it's been absolutely awesome. And, like, we're talking about players of the tournament so far. I think Mbappe is the player of the tournament so far. But I think, like, Bruno Fernandez has got to be mentioned up there. He's had a very nice tournament as well for Portugal. I believe he's got an assist in every single game so far. I believe. I could be wrong about that. But yeah, he's been playing really well. There's, so, there's a lot of really good players this tournament. Richarlison's got to be mentioned up there as well. He's played awesome this tournament for Brazil. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm excited. Friday and Saturday. Again. Croatia versus Brazil, Netherlands versus Argentina is on Friday, Morocco, Portugal, England, France on Saturday. And once again, I'm pricking Brazil, Argentina, Portugal, and France. But I wouldn't be shocked if, like, I don't know, the Netherlands beat Argentina. They got a lot of size on Argentina. They got a lot of size on them. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Netherlands beat Argentina. I wouldn't be surprised if Morocco beat Portugal. There's a lot of togetherness in that Moroccan team right now. Which would be cool. It'd be cool to see. Though I, everybody wants to see a Messi versus Ronaldo World Cup final. I think everybody wants to see that. Even though Ronaldo might not play or at least start the game, he'll come out as a substitute and then we'll have that that game ready for us. Like like in the College World Playoff, we have a chance to have Ohio State Michigan. That's that could be the national championship game. Imagine we get Ohio State Michigan national championship game with Portugal versus uh Argentina in the World Cup final. That'd be crazy. <laughs> That'd be an absolutely crazy, 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 crazy scenario. We have rivalries all the way around. Portugal and Argentina are, are really rivals. 
I don't remember the last time these two teams have played each other. But it's Messi-Ronaldo. We've never seen them play in a final together, at least that I can remember. They were close to a Champions League final appearance a few years ago, but Juventus beat Real Madrid. And then Barcelona ended up beating, I, th- I think that was it, right? That was when Barcelona and Juventus played each other in the Champions League final. I think Juventus beat Real Madrid that year. I think. I could be wrong about that. I think there was another year where Argentina lost. Was that the year they lost to Liverpool and Real Madrid won? I think that's what happened. The Real Madrid beat Liverpool in the Champions League final. I think that's what happened when Salah got his shoulder ripped out by Sergio Ramos before the 2018 World Cup. I think that I think that was the other time. And we had opportunities for it to happen, but it's never happened on the world's biggest stage like this. But it's exciting. It's very exciting. I know. I still don't know if I like. I still don't know if I like Portugal's uniforms. I don't like the green at the bottom. But uh, other than that, it's it's been a. I I don't really mind it too much. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm looking at um, whoscored.com, and their team of the tournament so far is Chesney and Net, Alexandro at left back, Castelletto from Cameroon, and Harry Maguire at center back, Hakimi at right back, Saka at right mid, Fernandez and, Fernandez and Bellingham in midfield, Mbappe on the left, and Cody Gakpo and Lionel Messi up top. And yeah, I think it's probably between Mbappe, Fernandez, and then Messi. Definitely has to be mentioned up there. He scored some big goals for them. Gakpo's played really well. He was the only person to score every single game in the in the in the oh crap, what do you call it? <laughs> the, the group stage. The group stage. There we go. 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 Ah, but it's fun. It's fun. Now, let's move on to some some football stuff. So we've talked about the knockout stage for the World Cup. We have bowl games to announce for college football. We also got Heisman stuff to talk about here in a little bit. Some surprising stuff in the Heisman race. But and we got some transfer portal stuff I want to get to too. But we're talking about the knockout stage. Let's talk about time, games that if you lose, you're done. Now, we got the knockout stage in the in the college football playoff. We already talked about this. Michigan TCU, Georgia versus Ohio State. Awesome, awesome games. Ohio State versus Georgia's. They're two, just two awesome games. Two awesome games. Ohio State's passing attack versus Georgia's defense. And then you got the rushing attacks of TCU and Michigan playing each other. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. If, hoping for Michigan-Ohio State, but I wouldn't be upset if TCU won. I don't, Georgia doesn't affect, I don't really care who wins the national championship. I, it doesn't have any, any burden on me. Iowa lost to both teams. So Iowa can't even, like Iowa fans can't even sit there and go like, oh, we lost to them. They, whatever. We, we beat them. So we are in the national championship game or something. So we want to beat the team that won the national championship. Like I, that's, that's the mindset of some, of some people out there. I don't really care. They lost to both of them. Got beat by double digits by both of them. TCU lost to (laughs) beat Iowa state very convincingly. Georgia didn't play Iowa or Iowa State, so we're, we're good. <laughs> but those are awesome games. The rest of the bowl games, we've got the I've – got, I've got to read all these bowl names because the bowl names are always interesting. They get crazier and crazier every single year. Hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl, Miami of Ohio versus UAB. Duluth Trading Cure Bowl, UTSA versus Troy. Wasabi Fenway Bowl over in Fenway Park in Boston. We had Cincy versus Louisville, an old Big East matchup we got going on there. Uh, the Cricket Celebration Bowl. We got Jackson State versus North Carolina Central. I think Dion is still coaching this bowl game. I think he's coaching it. I could be wrong. But speaking of Dion, I'm sure everybody at this point has seen his press conference or his uh, his meeting with the players where he talked about <laughs> he's coming and he's got bags on his. He's bringing his own luggage and it's Louis. I think that's fine. People took a took that the wrong way. A lot of people did, which is kind of confusing. This team was 1-11 last year. 1-11. in 11. 
I'm sure Lincoln Riley said something eerily similar to USC when he got there, when they finished, I think, 4-8 and eight or 5-7 and seven the year prior, and now they're one game away after losing to Utah from being in the college football playoff. I'm pretty sure he told people, hey, if you're not built for this, leave. Because we're going to bring people's in, people in. Lincoln Riley brought a shit ton of people in. He probably did the exact same thing Dion did. He said, don't worry about your quarterback. He's sitting right over there. Dion said that about Shadur Sanders. Lincoln Riley said that about Caleb Williams. And it's not even like Shadur Sanders is one of those people that's like John Licklider with Todd Licklider in Iowa basketball. It's not one of those things. Shadur Sanders can freaking ball. He can flat out ball. Travis Hunter's going to be making his way over to, Je- to Colorado here in a little bit. They're trying to make some big moves. Like, Deion Sanders helped turn Jackson State back around. Jackson State's one of the greatest college football programs of all time. They produced some legendary players, namely Walter Payton. But they produced so many other players as well. And Deion going to Colorado, I don't really think it's an issue. I don't think it's an issue. He helped turn Jackson State around. He brought so much more attention to Jackson State and fellow HBCU schools that never got brought to in the past however many years, 30 years, pretty much. Like, look at all the names that are just spread across HBCU schools right now. You've got big names that are ex-NFL players, ex-NFL coaches. They're on ESPN now. They're everywhere. ESPN Plus, whatever, it's still ESPN. Got an under- exclusive Under Armour deal, and Dion's a Nike guy and still got an exclusive Under Armour deal. Like, Dion did a lot for Jackson State. And no one really was expect. I was thinking he was going to leave next year. I thought next year would be the year he left. I didn't think it'd be this year, especially not for Colorado. But Colorado's a fun, what do you call it? Fun uh, transformation project, I guess. This is a former national champion that's finished 1-11 last year. That's had, I think, four coaches in the last five years, or five coaches in the last four years, whatever. It's sad. This is a team with great facilities, a great stadium, really awesome uniforms, a really cool logo, great city. Like, this was my NCAA 12 sim was Colorado with Richard Dick. We've talked about it here on the show before. Like it, that Colorado's fun. And I hope he turns them around because they are also a great, great program that has been down astronomically bad recently. Like, was I surprised Deion Sanders left this offseason? Yeah. But was I surprised he left? No, because that was going to happen eventually. He wasn't going to stay at Jackson State the rest of his coaching career. Anybody who thought that's naive, I like he was never going to stay there forever. But I think he did a lot, a lot, a lot of good for Jackson State and other HBCU programs. I think he did a lot of good. And I, I don't really understand the hate that he's been getting recently, whether it's the him leaving Jackson State or whether that's him going into the press conference and telling people, if you're not, if you're not committed, GTFO. Jog on. Like, get out of here. Their quarterback already entered his name in the transfer portal a day after that got released. Or two days after it got released. So my dad was telling me, apparently, that video that circulated was three days before he accepted the job. So he wasn't even the head coach yet, and he already told people to pretty much screw off. You're a bad team. Dion's a guy that you would want to bring in. And it's kind of funny. Like, you look at some of the greatest players of all time. They go on to be coaches. Sometimes they they don't handle figure it out because they don't know how to relate to the uh, quote unquote bad players. That's why when you look at coaches, a lot of the coaches out there that are ex players usually aren't starters or stars. They're bench warmers or backups or role players. Like they're never really the main guys. 
But when you are as good of an athlete as Deion Sanders, you have that demand of excellence. You expect that out of everybody. Especially since he has a kid that is at near the top, was in the top country when high school, when he was in high school. And he's continued to do that in college. Both at Jackson State, I'm sure he's going to do the same thing at Colorado. And it's not going to be a quick turnaround like that, but Jack Colorado will be seven, eight win team in probably two years, maybe a six win team this year. Like Dion will turn that ship around. I'm not. I'm. I'm fairly confident in saying that. This dude's a no nonsense guy. But when you look at Dion, the player, like you don't really get that of this commitment to excellence. You get that from like Jerry Rice or something. Like Dion had the flashy chains, he had the cars, he had the money, the jerry curl that was wet. It looked wet, but it was dry. But this dude played two sports. He played an NFL game, went to go play in a playoff game in the same day for the Atlanta Braves. Down played in a football game in Miami, went up to, I think, Pittsburgh to play with the Braves. This dude's the greatest cornerback of all time, unquestioned. Like We talk about this a lot with like Devontae Adams. You're looking at what the current landscape of the NFL is. In regards to not a lot of people are like set on who's the best receiver or best player in their position, but everybody pretty much knows it's Devontae Adams. In a lot of positions in the NFL or in sports in general, we're kind of stuck on who's the best or who's the greatest. There's no debate on corner. Deion Sanders is the greatest corner of all time. And not only that, one of the greatest athletes of all time. Quote machine, Deion Sanders. But his commitment to excellence... He expects that from everybody, whether you're a star player or a bench player or a role player or whatever. That's why I think Dion will turn this shit around at Colorado. I hope he does because I like Colorado. I already have a Colorado shirt from when I was coaching with Richard Dick. Haven't played that in a few years because I don't live in Cedar Falls anymore. I don't have access to my friend's Xbox. 360. I have an Xbox, but not a 360. I'll have to kick that shit back up when NCAA football finally gets released, I think, in 2024, they said. But Jack, he will be coaching this game. From what he said, it sounds like he's going to be coaching this game. And then we got the New Mexico Bowl. Kept that one fairly simple. They never added a thing to that one. It's BYU versus SMU. The <laughs> what the hell is this name? The Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifle. The Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl? What? <laughs> Washington State versus Fresno State. It's at SoFi Stadium. I thought they were going to play it like the StubHub Center or something. I don't know what the LA Galaxy Stadium is anymore. Bank of a Bank of California Stadium. Uh, Lending Tree Bowl, Rice versus Southern Miss. SRS Distribution, Las Vegas Bowl, Florida versus Oregon State. Never thought I'd see Florida in the Las Vegas Bowl. Not going to lie. Frisco Bowl, we got North Texas versus Boise. Uh, Myrtle Beach Bowl, Marshall versus Yukon. Famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Eastern Michigan versus San Jose State. Roofclaim.com, Boca Raton Bowl. <laughs> Liberty versus Toledo. Which should be actually, that should actually be a pretty good game. That should be a decent game. Uh, R&L Carriers New Orleans Bowl, Western Kentucky versus South Alabama. Lockhead Martin Armed Forces Bowl, Baylor Air Force. Makes sense, Baylor Air Force is in there. Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl, <laughs> Louisiana Houston. Union Home Mortgage, Ga- Mor- Mortgage. <laughs> Gasparilla Bowl. <laughs> Gasparilla Bowl always make me laugh. Wake Forest, Missouri. Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. I like the Hawaii Bowl. I like the Hawaii Bowl. Uh, Middle Tennessee State versus San Diego State. It's at the the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. It's not a it's not a Aloha, Aloha Stadium anymore. I don't know if that stadium got tore down or not. Quick Lanes Bowl. We got New Mexico State versus Bowling Green. Kim Camellia Bowl. Georgia Southern versus Buffalo. 
Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, Memphis versus Houston. Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl, Coast Carolina, East Carolina, Guaranteed Rate Bowl, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State. Military Bowl presented by pa- Patreon, pa- Paraton, UCF Duke, AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Kansas City, Arkansas. Okay, San Diego, Credit, Community Choice, Credit Union, Convention Center. That's what, <laughs> kidding. That's what Vets, that's what Vets Auditorium is called. San Diego Community Credit Union Holiday Bowl, which is not at Colquam or whatever the hell they used to call it. They call it now. But not now. That stadium's tore down. They got Petco Park, which is where the Padres play. That's Oregon and North Carolina, which is a a small – hmm, I don't know if I like that game. I mean, the game should be fun, but that's a small bowl game for those two teams. Uh, Tax Act Texas Bowl, Texas Tech versus Ole Miss. Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, Syracuse, Minnesota. Cheez-It Bowl, the first one, Oklahoma, Florida State. Valero Alma Bowl. Solid name, Texas-Washington. Remember Iowa playing the Alamo Bowl against Texas with Colt McCoy? Drew Tate's last game at Iowa. Duke-Mayo Bowl. Dukes-Mayo Bowl, Maryland versus NC State. Tony the Tiger's Sun Bowl, one of the better names in college football. Pitt versus UCLA. Pitt's played in the Sun Bowl a few times now. Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, Notre Dame versus South Carolina. Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. Ohio-Wyoming. Capital One Orange Bowl. There we go. Tennessee-Clemson should be a fun one. Trans-Perfect Music City Bowl. Iowa-Kentucky rematch of last year's game. All-State Sugar Bowl, Alabama-K-State should be kind of fun. Uh, Relia Quest Bowl, Mississippi State-Illinois. Cheese Citrus Bowl, LSU-Purdue should be a fun one. Goodyear Cotton Bowl, USC-Tulane. Never thought in a million years we'd ever see that matchup. And then the Rose Bowl, Utah versus Penn State. Fun stuff. Really fun stuff. I wasn't sure if we'd see Purdue in the Rose Bowl or not. I'm happy they're not, but there was part of me that's like, oh, they just went to the Big Ten Championship game. They'll go to the Rose Bowl. Happy they didn't. Happy they didn't. That would have been on the same frame as like when Illinois played USC in the Rose Bowl, but that USC team was fun, or Illinois team was fun. They had Juice Williams. I think they had Aurelius Ben on the team as well. Like that team was fun. I don't want to watch Aiden O'Connell play in the Rose Bowl. Sorry. I don't watch Aiden O'Connell. I'll, play, I'll watch him in the Citrus Bowl. I'll watch him in the Citrus Bowl, but yeah, I don't want to watch him in the Rose Bowl. Especially against Utah, where USC in the Cotton Bowl, man, USC went from playing <laughs> playing uh, Georgia to playing Tulane like that because they got their cheeks clapped by Utah. Good lord! But Iowa versus Kentucky should be a very good one, very interesting game at least. Will Levis has not had the like, I don't know what you want to call it. He hasn't had the transcendent year that everybody was expecting him when the season started. He'll still get drafted high. He'll still get drafted high. But against Iowa's defense, though there's a lot of outgoings at Iowa right now, some incomings, but a lot of outgoings, it's interesting. We'll see what happens. Apparently, Alex Labas or one of the other quarterbacks is going to be starting, Padilla's in the transfer portal, and Petras is out. So that should be interesting. Like, Kentucky's offense is, I don't know, it's a little more advanced version of Iowa's, essentially, because they got a quarterback that could do more. But even then, their O-line reeks. Both O-lines stink. Kentucky's just got a better run attack. Because they got Chris Rodriguez. Chris Rodriguez is one of the best running backs in college football. But yeah, that's at Nissan Stadium. I don't know. Has that game always been played at Nissan Stadium? Which is where the Titans play? Well, speaking of the Titans, their GM got fired today, which is hilarious because he, his la- one of his last moves was trading A.J. Brown to the Eagles and then uh, having A.J. Brown go for, a, what, 130 and two touchdowns against them in a dominating loss? Or a, dom- a blowout loss. I think that that was hilarious today. But there's some fun, 
There's some fun matchups this year. Like, the college football playoff, we already know that one's going to be really, really fun. Cincinnati versus Louisville, again, Big East matchup should be really, really fun. SMU-BYU, that one should be pretty, in, that one should be interesting. In the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, unironically, Washington State versus Fresno State should be fun. Cam Ward versus Jake Hayner, that'd be a fun matchup. Florida-Oregon State, hope that's a fun matchup. Hope that one is. I don't know if Anthony Richardson's going to play. Anthony Richardson is, is going to the draft, but I don't know if he's playing in this game or not. I would expect him to play. Uh, Toledo Liberty. Again, that one could be kind of fun. It's in Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, what other games? Missouri Wake Forest could be kind of fun at the Gasparilla Bowl. Keep scrolling. East Carolina, Coastal Carolina. We kind of figured this out earlier. Like, the we are watching the whatever the hell conference. Uh, conference USA. I don't remember what the conferences are. Some belt conference USA. I don't remember. But we were watching the game when they lost to freaking, ah, oh, crap. Why am I blanking so hard? Who'd they lose to? Troy. When they lost to Troy, they showed a graphic that they either dominate or get blown out in games. So we'll see what happens in this game. Uh, what other ones? Arkansas, Kansas. That one could be kind of interesting. North Carolina, Oregon would be really fun. Ole Miss, Texas Tech could be kind of interesting. Uh, Washington, Texas, that one will be fun in the Alamo Bowl. Maryland, NC State, uh, I don't know if David Leary is going to play that game, so I'm not sure. Any other ones that excite me? Uh, Iowa, Kentucky, obviously. Alabama, Kansas State is a fun one because I think I saw Nick Saban said something along the lines of it's a bad loss to a bad team or something like that when TC lost to Kansas State. Could be wrong about that, but now Alabama gets to play Kansas State. So we'll see if they're actually as bad as what they thinks that he thinks they are. I'm intrigued by USC versus Tulane. I'm very intrigued by that game. And I'm also intrigued by Utah-Penn State. But there's some fun matchups. But while we were on the topic of the college football playoff, we have a Heisman finalist from three of these teams. Three of the four teams of the college football playoff. One is not in there. There's four finalists. Three of them are for the college football playoff. If, was your guess on Stetson Bennett? being one of the Heisman finalists? Was that your bet? Was your bet on Stetson Bennett being in there? Because it wasn't mine. It sure as hell wasn't mine to have Stetson Bennett go to the Heisman Trophy ceremony in New York City. And a lot of people have been a little upset about this. Not because Stetson Bennett is just an average at best quarterback. Like, he's fine. I really have no issue with Stetson Bennett. But if you're ranking the... Like we did with the the United States earlier... If you're ranking like the start, 11 stars in offense, 11 stars in defense, if you're ranking them in order from who's the best to worst, he's probably the worst player on the 22 players that start for Georgia. He's probably the worst player on this team out of the starters. I shouldn't say the entire team, but I get I respect him because he won a national championship last year. He stuck it out at Georgia. He's a walk-on. He's not very big. I'm bigger than Stetson Bennett. I give him all the respect in the world, but he's not a Heisman Trophy candidate at all. I, I, I'm so I'm I'm confused by this. Like I I'm slightly understand like not bringing Hendon Hooker and Blake Corum. I said this on I believe Monday. I've said it for the power since when Hendon Hooker got first got hurt against South Carolina. We said it right after that game. Hennon Hooker, though he's not going to win the Heisman, he'll probably finish fifth or sixth, should go. Because the entire season, he's been a top two candidate for the Heisman. Throughout the entire season. He deserves to go. Whether he's going to win it or not, he's not going to because he's hurt. It's like Carson Wentz winning the MVP. When he tore his ACL and the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl, Carson Wentz was the MVP of the league. 
And he tore his ACL, no longer the MVP of the league. But you still got to respect Henning Hooker and at least bring him there. Same goes for Blake Corum. But I can kind of, I guess, get the argument with Blake Corum because you saw what Edwards have done for Michigan since he's been the starter at running back. Like, he ran for, what, 200-something yards against against Ohio State? Hold on, I got to get this up. What did he run against Ohio State? Hold on, sorry. Sorry, sorry. So Edwards ran for 216 yards against Ohio State and ran for 185 against Purdue. Like, very impressive performances, both when Blake Corn was out. So I can kind of go, like, or understand. I'm not going to sit here and agree with it, but I can kind of understand where people go, oh, well, Michigan's running attack's only good because their O-line's so good. Which is fair. I, I, I would challenge you to find a running back that's consistently good with a trash-ass off the line. It doesn't really happen all that often. But there are two peas in a pod. You need a running back to have a you need a good outside line to have a good running back. But you need the running back to actually perform as well. You can have a good old line and have a trash ass running back. That, that can happen. But Blake Corm obviously out for the season. Had a knee issue going into the Ohio State game. Has recently announced he's getting surgery on his knee. But both those guys, Henning Hooker and Blake Corm, should be going to New York. And then, though I can kind of understand not bringing them because they're not going to win. They're not going to win, and the college football is like, ah, I don't want to bring them. We don't want to bring them because uh, they're not going to win. Wasted plane ticket. But I can't. I still can't get over Stetson Bennett going. And then when I keep deep in it, like I understand he didn't have the greatest year this year in regards to just statistical numbers. But why is Bryce Young not going? If we're bringing Stetson Bennett, why are we not bringing Bryce Young? Like, Bryce Young's not hurt. He was hurt earlier in the game. But if you took Stetson Bennett out of Georgia, they're still undefeated and still playing for a national championship game. If you took Bryce Young out of Alabama, they're maybe an eight-win team. The game he missed this year against Texas A&M, a bad Texas A&M team. They only won by, what, four points? I think is what the final score was. They had to stop A&M at, like, the 10-yard line when they were playing with Haynes King as their quarterback, who they tried at Texas A&M had tried to, go off on, oh, we're playing our backup too, even though he was the star at the beginning of the season. Bryce Young, if you look at what Alabama did this year, they are nothing without Bryce Young doing anything. Bryce Young is Alabama football this year. They have good players on defense especially, but their offense does not work if Bryce Young is not playing quarterback for them. Like, it's not even close between him and Stetson Bennett on who's a better quarterback. And Bryce Young, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, does not even get an invite to New York. That's kind of... That's kind of sad. Like, Bryce Young is 10 times the quarterback Stetson Bennett is, but plays on a worse team. Which is saying something because it's Alabama. But the receivers weren't anything special this year. When you look at the options they have compared to what the years passed, there wasn't a dominant figure there. You know, the transfers really worked out, whether it was Jermaine Burton. I don't even know Tyler Harrell played a game this year. Jameer Gibbs was good, but other than that, Bryce Young made this entire thing go. Like, he, his game coming back from almost ripping his shoulder out of its socket against Arkansas, he comes back and throws 52 passes against Tennessee. The very next week, throws 52 passes against Tennessee. After <laughs> So he sat out against AM, a week's rest, and then he's back throwing 52 balls against Tennessee for 455 yards for two touchdowns. Like, they played the same opponents. And Stetson Bennett is a fine, again, 
a fine quarterback. He's fine. But Stetson Bennett threw 30 less passes, had 200 less yards, had what? Okay, had the same number of touchdowns as Bryce Young against the same team. Like this, come on, guys. Really? We're bringing Stetson Bennett over Bryce Young? Really? Really? Like Stetson Bennett's passing and rushing touchdowns equal Bryce Young's total touchdowns. Or equal Bryce Young's passing touchdowns. Bryce Young has more passing touchdowns and less interceptions. Not to mention just more total touchdowns because we you kind of kind of figure that one out because we said Stetson Bennett's passing and rushing touchdowns equal Bryce Young's passing touchdowns. So by default, he has more touchdowns because we've seen him run pass, rushing touchdowns this year. I didn't even have Stetson Bennett on my freaking radar when we were going into freaking Heisman Trophy talk. Like last week when we talked about, oh, here's my finalist, we had six. It was William Stroud, Duggan, Young, Hooker, Quorum. We had six. Never in my wildest dreams. I even said like Marvin Harrison Jr. before Stetson Bennett. I didn't even think about it. It wasn't even on my mind of Stetson Bennett being a Heisman finalist. And the problem, the sad thing is, the extremely sad thing is, he'll probably finish third. He probably will finish third. Because the SEC stuff. And Max Duggan will probably come in fourth. Now, I don't think that's right. I think Max Duggan should come in, come in third. I think we all should know the order at this point. It's William Stroud, Duggan, Bennett. Like, basically in seventh. I can see a reality where Bennett finishes lower than people that weren't actually invited to New York. I can see that being a reality. But that's why I, th- I want to happen. Because I think that'd be funny. Because we had that last year. I'm pretty sure Will Anderson finished with more votes than some of the people that were invited to New York last year. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's what happened. But yeah, he I don't get that one at all. Uh, we all kind of understand Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman. We all kind of are under the same breath that Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman Trophy this year. And rightfully so. And rightfully so. Especially with some of the performances he had late in the season. Especially with the drop-off Stroud had as the season went on. And especially with Hooker getting hurt. With Corum getting hurt. And Duggan playing for a Big 12 school. So it's not, no offense to Duggan and TCU, but he's not going to win it. It'd be cool if he did. He's an Iowa and he's from Council Bluffs. So... I would love to see Max Duggan win the Heisman Trophy. And his game against uh, against Kansas State, though they lost, was awesome. Awesome, awesome game for Max Duggan. The Iowan. Showing that Iowa pride. But freaking Stetson Bennett? Really? <laughs> I know we make fun of uh, ESPN and all these different reward shows, uh, SEC bias. But this one takes the cake. This one takes the cake. Like, and the, the sad thing is, Stetson Bennett probably will finish above Max Duggan in the Heisman Trophy race. Like, Max Duggan had 30 touchdowns, four picks, 10 more passing touchdowns than Stetson Bennett to go along with less interceptions, had more yards than Stetson Bennett, and he'd probably finish fourth because <laughs> he plays the Big 12, which is sad. I, I don't want that, again, I don't want that to happen, but I don't be surprised if it does. Don't be surprised if it does. Now, I, I would also like to say this. I I don't get the people that are, like, bitching about only quarterbacks being involved in the Heisman Trophy race. Who else are you going to have in the Heisman Trophy race? Really? Like, who else are you going to have there? Like, the people bit, like, Reddit CFB on Twitter, the Heisman Trust has announced a new trophy will be awarded the winners moving forward. 
The Heisman pose more accurately reflects the player is eligible for the selection. Who else are you gonna have? And it's a Dave, it's the it's the I'm pretty sure it's the Davey O'Brien trophy. Who the hell are you gonna have? And then people bitching about who's gonna win it. Like this players that should have been in Heisman finals before Stetson Bennett. Corum, May, Penix, Harrison Jr., Robinson, Hooker, Nix, Young, even Bo Nix. Yeah, Bo Nix should be in there as well. I know Bo Nix lost to Oregon State and lost to Washington, but Bo Nix and got blown up by Georgia, but Bo Nix should definitely be in there. But the little touchdowns Bo Nix has this year, like he should definitely be in there over Stetson Bennett. Drake May, yeah. I mean, just in regards to just his play, yeah, I think he deserves it, but he plays for North Carolina, so that was never going to happen. I'm sorry. Unless North Carolina was undefeated, which they will never be because their defense is complete ass. So, it's no really a problem Drake May has. It's just the rest of his team. Penix, yeah, I could see an argument for Michael Penix. I could see an argument. I think he's better than Stetson Bennett. There's no really conversation to be had there. Bijan, yeah, I think Corum before Bijan. If we're having a running back go, it had to be Corum before Bijan. But Bijan's a better draft prospect by far. But, uh... Yeah, Bijan is a solid man. The Hendon Hooker, obviously, we know him. Bryce Young, we know him. Marvin Harrison Jr., yeah, know him. I wouldn't have honestly been surprised if Marvin Harrison got an invite. But who else, who's going to win this trophy, really? You're going to complain about only quarterbacks getting invited. Well, who else is going to win it? Like, yeah, Devontae Smith win the trophy a few years ago only because the quarterbacks were down that year. But, man, I always find it funny when people complain about that. But I do think this is funny, too. Lamar Jackson was... <laughs> He won the Heisman in 2016, and him and Stetson Bennett are the same age. <laughs> Stetson Bennett's a finalist. Five years. No, not five years. Well, I can't count. What? Six years after Lamar Jackson won the Heisman, Stetson Bennett's now a Heisman finalist. That's, that's, that is that's kind of funny. That is funny. You can be upset about it, but it is funny. <laughs> it is funny. Now, there are some people out there, before the season started, mostly Clemson fans, that... Thought they had a quarterback that was going to be the next Trevor Lawrence. That was going to be this next great college quarterback. And it's turned out he's just not very good. And I'm talking about DJ Uyagalele. Who came in for for Trevor Lawrence when he had COVID against Notre Dame a couple years ago. Had a decent game. And then a pretty, pretty bang average or bad since then. He's been benched, I think, three times that I can recall. And somehow getting his starting job back two of those times. He has entered the transfer portal. And there's been a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of players that have entered the transfer portal. And some a little more surprised than others. So here are some of the quarterbacks we have that have announced transferring. Devin Leary from NC State. This is from 24-7 Sports. You can go check out the, the transfer portal on there. Devin Leary, very good quarterback. Very good quarterback for NC State. He had some injuries this year and was out for the range of the season. And I don't know... Where he's going, I don't know where any of these guys are going, so I'm not going to try to make predictions about where these guys are going. Uh, DJ Uyagalele transferring. Hudson Card, I'm honestly kind of surprised he didn't transfer after last year. Like, I don't know. I don't. Quinn Ewers was coming in. Quinn Ewers, the highest rated high school quarterback of all time with Vince Young. He's from Texas. I'm sorry, Hudson. You could have been the greatest quarterback of all time. You were not winning that starting job. You were not winning that starting job. I don't know why he trained. I mean, I respect him for trying to stick it out and try to battle it out, but that was not happening. Uh, Luke Altmeyer, who's the backup to Jackson Dart over at Ole Miss. Jeff Sims, who's been the starter at Georgia Tech for the past couple of years. Uh, Kieran Drones from Baylor. 
Uh, Austin Reed from Western Kentucky. Brett Gabbert, who I did not know was still playing college football until right now. Uh, Brennan Armstrong, transferring from Virginia. Very solid quarterback. Lefty quarterback as well. Rare's one of those uh, running back face masks as well. Solid. He's uh, he's kind of one of those players where if he doesn't do good, uh, Virginia doesn't do good. I don't know where he's going, though. And then Malik Hornsby, who is a very, very, very athletic quarterback who's played a lot of different positions while he's been at Arkansas. Uh, mainly uses a slot back come in motion. Uh, my friend Ryan, big Arkansas fan. He's been hyped about Malik Hornsby for a little bit now, but with K.J. Jefferson coming back next year, kind of makes sense that he goes somewhere else. I don't know where all these guys are going. I don't know. I don't have a, a, a Scooby-Doo on where these guys are even thinking about going. But, yeah, they're, they're all solid quarter, solid enough quarterbacks, but I don't know where any of these guys are going. Like, we already saw Cade McNamara transfer. I saw the Keen Slovis enter the transfer portal again. Did I see that right? Or was I envisioning that? Keen Slovis to transfer. Oh, Phil Yurkovic, Boston College quarterback, transferred to Pitt. Transferred from Notre Dame to Boston College to Pitt. He went through all the Catholic schools, now he's coming to Pitt. Oh, J- JT Daniels has entered the transfer portal again. So JT Daniels has gone from USC to Georgia to West Virginia to God knows where. So did Keaton Slovis break up his girlfriend or something? Or they they break up because he went to Pitt because uh, his girlfriend played soccer there. So Phil Yurkovic, I think that's an upgrade. Phil Yurkovic is a good quarterback. He's a solid quarterback. Can do a little bit more. He's bigger. He can run a little bit better than Slovis can. I like Slovis. He's more accurate than Yurkovic. Has a lot less injury history. I, I say that, but Slovis' big problem is that his shoulder's been messed up for about three years. So, but he hasn't he hasn't really, I don't know. It's been a little bit of a mess. He hasn't missed a lot of games due to that shoulder injury, but his play has diminished greatly since his freshman year at USC. And, oh, Pitt players call out Keaton Slovis on transfer decision. Nice. Where is he? Where like He's not in the transfer portal, according to 24-7 sports. Oh, a little more players. Oh, I didn't even see that thing. So, yeah, Mikey Keene from UCF. There's Keen Slovis right there. Tony Musket. Do not know what college that is at all. Where? Oh, Monmouth. Cade McNamara. Already got him. Drew Pine from Notre Dame. Graham Mertz is transferring. Hake Bachmeyer. Yeah, we've, we've seen that one a few months ago. Or a couple. Uh, it was a, It's been a little bit. Brennan Lewis transferred. Hank King. Haynes King is transferring. Deacon Hill. Backup. Geez, everybody at Wisconsin is transferring. And then Jack Tuttle is transferring as well. Did I see something about Mike Wright transferring? The, the Vanderbilt quarterback? I thought I saw something about that, but he's not popping up on here. Do they list athletes on here? Because he might be listed under there. But there's a lot of, like, decently named. It's not like last year where he had, like, Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler transferring. Which, speaking of Spencer Rattler, like, apparently he's conflicted or he's torn about entering the NFL draft, which I don't think he should. But next year is going to be a little bit of a uphill climb for draft stop because Caleb Williams will be available and he's going to be he's pretty much locked on to be the number one pick at this point in time that obviously can change that obviously can change but uh he looks like to be the number one guy number one guy Drake May is going to be up there as well from what we just talked about him with North Carolina uh Quinn Ewers will probably be mentioned up there who else will be mentioned up Tanner McKee I don't know if he's transferring or if he's going to the draft there's been a few Reports about him transferring. There's been some reports about him going to the NFL. I don't know. So I, there, there were some links to him go, transferring to Notre Dame. But again, I haven't seen anything official. I haven't seen anything official about that. But I don't know where any of these guys are even thinking about going. That's that's the problem. Do any of them go to Ohio State? 
Ohio State's losing C.J. Stroud. So who's going to go to Ohio State? Will someone transfer into Ohio State? Will Texas basically trade Hudson Card for Quinn Ewers, and Hudson Card goes to Ohio State? Does Devin Leary go to Ohio State? Where's Devin Leary even from? He's from New Jersey. Where's Ryan Day from? I think he might be from New Jersey. Hold on. He's from New Hampshire. Oh. That's different. I thought he was from New Jersey. Oh, well. Where's Hudson Card from? He's from, oh, he's from Austin. Oh, that's probably why he didn't transfer right away. Maybe DJ tries to transfer to Ohio State. I don't know. I don't know where any of these guys are going. I'm like 20. I recruit. Oh, we can review a recruiting profile. So he had Alabama, Arizona, Arizona State, and Arkansas. Uh, maybe he goes to Alabama. Maybe he goes to Alabama. Bryce Young's obviously leaving. They got a, they got, uh crap. What's the backup quarterback's name? Uh, number two. Or is he number, number four? Number four. Oh, crap. What is his name? I'm I'm blanking pretty freaking hard right now. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Jalen Milrow, Jaden Milrow. He's number four. So maybe he goes to, does he try to compete with Jaden Milrow? Does he try to compete with Jalen Milrow? All those other schools have quarterbacks. All those other schools have quarterbacks. Have quarterbacks. Uh, Devin Leary, who was your, who recruited you, Devin Leary? Baylor, Boston College, Coast Carolina, Indiana. Boston College got a quarterback available. A quarterback opening, I guess you could say, with Phil Yurkovic transfer, but I doubt he'll go there. Probably try to get an upwards move of that. Hudson Card, Alabama, Arizona, Arizona State, Arkansas. Again, similar similar recruiting trip to freaking DJU. So maybe he goes to Alabama. Maybe he's the one who goes to Alabama. We'll see. We'll see. There's a, there's a lot of different ways this can all shake out, but it's exciting nonetheless. Is there any other big, big names that are transferring that I should uh, be made aware of? Hold on. Jaheim Bell is transferring. Tight end, wide receiver combo, kind of an H-back type thing. Uh, Iowa was supposed to be in for Trayshawn Holden from Alabama, the wide receiver, but apparently they pulled out of that, according to my, my good source, Noah Mueller. So apparently they pulled out, which sucks, but Eric, all the tight end from Michigan is apparently coming to Iowa still. Very positive, but Iowa, again, has had some people transfer out. Keegan Johnson announced he's transferring. Arlen Bruce, Gavin Williams, uh, Justin Jacobs announced he's transferring. So there's a lot of movement with Iowa, but it's, it, the, the transfer world just opened. So we're, we're going to see how this one works out. Yeah, Arlen Bruce transferring is pretty big. Keegan Johnson transferring is pretty big. But uh, Xavier Nwampa tweeted a, tweeted a picture of Keegan Johnson the other day. So maybe he's, his, maybe he's changed his mind. Maybe he's changed his mind. But yeah, Nicoldis Crawford's transferring from Nebraska. He had that whole NIL deal over there with the, with the air conditioning company. Which is a pretty cool, pretty, pretty nice uh, NIL deal for him with the name Nicoldis. Uh, Javion Cohen, one of the better offensive linemen in college football, is transferring. One of the better interior offensive linemen, I should say. Uh, who else do we got here? I don't want to spend too much time on the like looking around for everybody, but yeah. Regardless, like it works out. It all works out, and people want to get upset about like, oh, these players are accepting extortion amounts of money to transfer these schools. Yeah, you'd be stupid not to. You stupid not to. If you get offered that much money, you don't take it. That's on you. That sounds like more of a personal problem that you have inside of yourself than what's wrong with the players. If you got offered three million dollars to go play somewhere, you'd better take that. Otherwise, you're stupid. And you know what? Someone else is going to take it, and they're going to take your opportunity for you. Man, but like you look at the past few Heisman winners. You look at the past six Heisman Trophy winners. Four of them have been transfers. 
and Baker, Kyler, Joe Burrow, and soon-to-be Caleb Williams. We had three straight transfers in a row. Baker Mayfield transferred from Texas Tech to Oklahoma. Kyler Murray transferred from A&M to Oklahoma. Burrow transferred from Ohio State to LSU. And now we got a guy transferring from Oklahoma to USC. So we got three people winning the Heisman Trophy under Lincoln Riley. That's pretty damn impressive. That's pretty damn impressive. But yeah, I, I think everybody knows Caleb Williams will win it. But again, the Heisman, the NIL stuff, don't care. It's one of those situations, don't hate the player, hate the game. If you don't like the money that's getting thrown around in college football, hate the boosters. Don't hate the players. Players are going to take the best opportunity for them, and I appreciate it. I I fully respect them for that. If you have an opportunity to play somewhere else and you get a bag for it, go ahead. Don't care. No skin off my back. You're good. Go ahead. Because if I had that opportunity, I mean, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. Like You offered me money to go $3 million to go play at Iowa when I was playing at William Penn. Oh, I'd have to... I have to think about it a little bit. I have to think about it a little bit. But uh, is that all we have for today? Is that really all we have to talk about for today? Oh, I, this would be kind of interesting. Grade your grade your quarterback. Like the they had this thing for on the Sunday NBC Sunday Night Football and NBC tweeted this out. So we're gonna quickly do this. We got all the different quarterbacks in the NFL. We got thirty two different quarterbacks. Grade your QB. Um, and we're gonna be brutal with this uh mvp starting off with uh let's start with the nfc brady right now i mean well all-time mvps greatest quarterback of all time we know this tom brady right now averaged mostly great so we got the b and c tier mariota uh, probably d he's not a pain panthers we're just going to include the entire panthers team f pain and speaking of the panthers they released baker mayfield and he just signed with the rams today they sat they added matt ryan to the or matt stafford to the ir so Baker Mayfield is now the starting quarterback for the Carolina for the LA Rams. There's some links with the San Francisco 49ers that Jimmy G got hurt. But Brock Purdy, give some round of applause, Brock Purdy. First Mr. Relevant to complete a pass in the NFL from a few weeks ago. And then now he's going to start against Tom Brady this week. That's pretty damn impressive. And I was with uh, my friends Andrew and Jared the other day, and Jared said that the 49ers are pretty much a uh, non-threat without Jimmy G. I don't really think I've been on this train for a while. He's not that great. Like, when you look at what the 49ers do and what Kyle Shannon's done the past few years, Jimmy G just needs to not screw up, and then the 49ers will win. Like, their defense is the best in the NFL. They went for, uh, what, four straight games without allowing a point in the second half? They won their last game before the Dolphins game 13-0. Brock Purdy played well against the Dolphins, who are supposed to be the, one of the best teams in the NFL. And Brock Purdy played really well against them. He's got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kill, Chris McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, Trent Williams, like, they've got a good team around Brock Purdy. He just needs to not suck ass, and he'll be fine. I think the Niners will still be good regardless of who's their quarterback. But I think they can do more with Trey Lance as their quarterback. I think you can elevate your playbook more. But with a quarterback like Jimmy, like, going from Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy, I don't really think in regards to skill level there's a massive-ass drop-off. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's fine. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is more of a starter than, like, it's not like you're going from, I don't know, what's a, what's a, good scenario we got here Josh Allen to Case Keenum it's not like we're doing that here it's not like Jimmy G can do a thousand things that Brock Purdy can't Brock Purdy can pretty much do everything Jimmy Garoppolo can pretty much he's just smaller but other than that he could do he's not as good looking I guess but hey maybe Brock Purdy turns this around and maybe becomes a starter for the 49ers I'd be for it I'd be for it but uh yeah for back to the Panthers pain Saints D could do better uh Vikings Kirk Cousins He's, he's been good this year. 
I mean, it would put him somewhere in between B and C. Because I don't think he's amazing, but he's he's a good quarterback. Jared Goff, C, average. Rodgers this year, C, average. Justin Fields, C, average. Uh, just talk about the 49ers. Jimmy G, C, average. But Brock Purdy, we only seen him one game. Played really good in his one game he played. Seahawks, Geno Smith, B, mostly great. Geno Smith's been freaking awesome this year. Uh, Cardinals, Kyler Murray, C, he's been average. Whoever the hell the Rams quarterbacks have been, F at pain. Jalen Hurts, A, MVP candidate. Dak Prescott, B, yeah, B, he's been good. Daniel Jones, C, he's been fine. He doesn't do anything special. Taylor Heineke, C. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, C. Matt Ryan, F. Trevor Lawrence, C. Davis Mills, F. Lamar Jackson, when he's playing, B. But he's going to be out for one to three weeks. He has a PCI strain or something like that. I can't remember what he, a PCL strain. I can't remember what they said, but uh, Joe Burrow, A. Deshaun Watson, well, he played one game. He didn't play very well against the Texans. But Jacoby Brissett, D. Kenny Pickett, D. Mahomes, A. Herbert, B. Derek Carr, D. D to C. Russell Wilson, F. Mac Jones, D. Mike White slash Zach Wilson, I mean, Mike, they haven't really, Mike White hasn't played a whole lot this year. Like, we saw him do really well last year and then suck ass towards the end of the year. Then when he played the Bills. But uh, he played good last week. He played good back-to-back weeks. He played good against the Vikings. Played good against the, oh, crap. Who did they play the week before? The Patriots, uh, not the Patriots. Who did they play the week before? Oh, uh, crap. Who the who the Jets play the week before the Vikings? Uh, I'm completely blanking. But I probably, I put... Mike White, C. Tua, somewhere between A and B. I don't think he's an MVP candidate. I mean, his numbers are pretty solid, but he's just an average quarterback. But he's putting up good numbers, so you have to put up uh, put him in the MVP conversation, even though he's not going to win it. And Josh Allen, A. Even though Josh Allen's been up and down recently, uh, he's still he's still an MVP candidate. Regardless of what you think about that, Josh Allen's still an MVP candidate. Is that all I've got for you today? I guess we didn't really talk about anything else in the NFL. Maybe I'll talk about a little bit about that. Uh, we had the Bucks beat the Saints, one of the most boring games of the year. Terrible ass game. I was watching Harry Potter at the same time. I had the game on the little TV because I could have cared so little about it. Then we got the Rams Raiders. I don't know if Baker Mayfield's going to play this game. It wouldn't shock me if Baker Mayfield played this game, but uh, I doubt it. So we're probably going to see John Walford play against Derek Carr in this game, as everybody expected at the start of the year. Then on Sunday, we got Bills Jets. Uh, we'll talk about that on Friday. But Thursday night football, we got Raiders Rams, which should be pretty fun. Raiders are a six point favorite. The Rams suck. Every one of their best players is pretty much out apart from Jalen Ramsey. So and he might even be out. I'm not even sure about that. So I think that's all I've got for you today. Uh, I'm trying to look around, see if I've got anything else. Uh, No, no, I think that's pretty much it. We're going to try and get a mock draft out for you on Friday. We'll try to. I'm not I'm not committing to that. I'm not committing to that at all. But uh, I'll try to get one out for you on Friday. If not, I sincerely apologize. And if the show sucked ass today, I sincerely apologize for that as well. I hope it didn't, but, you know. Can't be can't can't make everybody happy. Can't make everybody happy. But with that being said, that's all I've got for you today. Again, make sure you follow the Logan Blavin Show on every single form of social media. Make sure uh, most important most importantly, you're following the Logan Blavin Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And leave a rating out of five stars. Leave a description out below. And I will see you all later. Enjoy your Wednesday. Peace.